Quiet on the set. Action. Welcome everyone to the Movie Machine Podcast presented by Hot Chocolate Media. It is a podcast where we make up a movie based on a random prompt with three people from the Hollywood elite. We are joined by our writer today, Brianna Cecile. She was the sewer location scout on IT. Our director, Tom Lockman, who painted out Henry Cavill's mustache in the Justice League reshoots. And Jacob Gulliver, our producer, who is Mark Ruffalo's tailor on Thor Ragnarok. <laughs> So he is a res- he is responsible for the very tight pants and the loincloth. I appreciate yeah. it. I spent a lot of time on that loincloth. Had to so. be just the right amount of dirty, but also just a little bit sexy. All right. So your prompt today is to craft an epic horror film for us. Oh, perfect. The main characters are an ugly farmer and a happy detective. The start of the story is an unveiling, and the end of the story is a funeral. All right. So I'm seeing this as, as we can actually market this in, in a skewed perspective. So yes, it's going to be this dark horror at the end, but uh, we're going to start it out with a romance. We're going to start it out as a homecoming. Our wonderful, happy detective. Oh, I see it now. I see it now. Lillian. Her name is Lillian. Our happy detective Lillian is coming home, and she is going to be introducing her new love to her family. Uh, And her family is unfortunately a very uh, plain farming family that has, let's not use the word ugly, let's use the word reserved tastes and a bit traditional. So we're gonna start out with the unveiling of her new love. And and since, why not, you wanna write something that means something in the world. So we're gonna make this into a bit of a social commentary. It's going to be starting out with her lover being another woman. Let's go with Chelsea. Yes, Chelsea. So the horror starts when the family is not actually her family. That's our twist. I, I still got to work out exactly where that, that goes. I mean, it, it, with the recent success of, of It, which I had a, a huge hand in, we know that we have to find something original there, and that's going to depend so much on our budget. But they are skin changers. So she thinks they're her family, but they're not anymore. And the funeral at the end is, of course, we gotta give the skin changers the win. The funeral is hers, of her old self, as she's absorbed back in. Right, Uh, you have a title for this? Oh, (laughs) Uh, we'll just give it a bit of a working title, uh, and it's gonna be the Valley of Suggestion. All right, thank you. So, Director Tom, you've got a treatment for a script called Valley of Suggestion out of a bunch of skin-changing, horrific farmer rednecks terrorizing a detective and her her new girlfriend. You, you liking this going? How are you going to make this uh, your own vision here? Uh, I, think, I think it's an interesting concept. I'm going to start off by taking a very traditional cinematography approach. Shoot it like uh, classic, a lot of classic horror films, which will clash with the romantic overtones at the beginning of the film. 
but as the film goes on, the cinematography will switch over to uh, more of a romanticized feel. A lot of faded shots and uh, the color palette will kind of shift uh, as maybe as the main character you know starts to lose herself to these skin changers, like not just physically but also like emotionally, like discovers that maybe they were they're still monsters and, and terrible, but uh, they're you know probably maybe better than they were and and becoming something that she's different from herself is a good thing rather than a bad thing or maybe not you know we can still leave that whole the funeral scene at the end and leave that uh, ambiguous for the audience to decide as far as performers in the film i think we need some really strong performances not only from the main characters but from the the monsters as well and I'm thinking of I can't I can't remember her name. She was just cast in the Black Panther movie, Black Panther's sister, I think. I really like her for the main our main character, the detective. For her family, I think we could go for uh, maybe sort of a, a mixed vibe. Maybe get some of that social commentary in there. Um, not only on uh, you know it's skin changers, so on you know race and societal uh, perception of sexuality and stuff like that. But I think we can really make this a horror movie that sort of stands out from the rest of the horror movies, where it, it starts out with that sort of body horror with shapeshifters, and sort of turns into more of a like a psychological horror uh, sort of film, and uh, and really get under not just the skin of our audience, but uh, you know get into their their heads as well. The title needs work, but I haven't come up with something. All right, producer. You've got the storyboards to the final, well, a pretty close to final script for Valley of Suggestion, a uh, kind of psychological body terror horror film that has a lot of strong social commentary elements on it. Are you, you liking this? I see a lot of potential here. I'm, I'm liking what we have so far, but we need to get a little bit deeper and put a little bit more into this before it's ready to ship out the door. The first thing I'm going to do is change the title. This is going to be called Harvest Valley. We're going to set it during the fall when it's you know harvest season, like end of summer, beginning of fall. You can have some beautiful foliage and find some you know backwater farm that is really cheap to shoot at, and we can do this without spending a ton of money on it. It's going to be great, and we'll find you know a nice you know valley scene that we can set there. And it's also going to play into the story's going to play into that titles. So these like doppelgangers, we're going to make them like you know, like old mythology of like, you know, changing changelings, like, you know, creatures that come and take away your kids, kind of like, you know, hobgoblin or, you know, old old mythology elves kind of thing. It'll be it'll be pretty cool. I think we'll, we can do some cool like special effects makeup or something when, you know, one of them gets revealed and also have some kind of like creepy dark magic or something that, you know, happens once or twice. And to that effect, I think we like, I love that it's, kind of, you know, tension and scary, but we gotta see some, like, actual spooky shit happen on screen. Like, shit has to go down as we get to the climax. You know, there needs to be a fight, and I think that the characters were Lillian and Chelsea, right? Yeah. And Lillian is the one that's part of the family? Yes. Okay, so Lillian is the one who will die and have her funeral at the end, and Chelsea is the, you know, she, she will get to live. She will get to live to the the funeral and have escaped this horror of the the family and to that effect i love the idea of having her be accepted back into the family but i feel like we save that for the very end so chelsea is able to like fend off the family and escape the farm but you know and escapes with the dying lillian and you know so the last scene in the movie will be her at the funeral and watching her go into the ground 
And then she's going to look up, and through the tree, she's going to see the whole family, and Lillian is there with them. So it'll be like that twist at the end to, like, you know, she is she is still alive, just she's with her family in the creepiest way possible. So we'll, we'll keep that idea, we'll keep that as part of it. Um, we'll just leave that reveal until the very last shot of the movie to really just, like, Creep, creep people out. It's going to be great. Uh, so I'm, I'm really into that. I just want more spooky stuff. Maybe, like, if we can get, like, one big action set piece. Because if the, like, the detective, the detective is the girlfriend. Is that right? Well, the, te- the detective's in the family. Oh, the detective's in the family. What was the profession of the, the girlfriend? Oh, we didn't give her one yet. Okay. Well, maybe she's, maybe she's, like, um, I don't know, security or something like that. And we can... Give her some sort of background so that she knows how to use some weapons so that she can fight the family at some point, or at least fend them off. So that's that's all I got, you know. Okay. Let me know what you guys come up with. So back to the writer. The title is now Harvest Valley. Harvest um, Valley. instructed to write an action set piece to make it a little more brutal and violent and creepy, maybe some supernatural elements. And uh, did you give a budget there, producer? Oh, you know what? I totally didn't. Let's do like a fairly decent budget horror. Let's do about like a, a forty million, something yeah, like that. That's a pretty darn. That's a huge budget for a horror film. So well, we can get some good actors. We can get some yeah. cool special effects and some gore. I think it'll sell. All right. So uh, I'm liking this Hidden Valley, and I'm definitely liking the idea. Harvest of, Valley. Right, Harvest Valley. Sorry. Harvest Valley. See, I'm forgetting it already. Are you hungry? I am. (laughs) Craft services did not show up today. Oh, they're fired. So I'm thinking we want to get a little bit more of that backstory, especially for this beautiful relationship that we're going to have. And with the, the filming styles being flipped, I think that we should actually insert this backstory through flashbacks later in the movie. So I'm going to write this as starting off with them coming home, things starting to get weird, and every time that we have a moment of strangeness, we'll get a flashback into explaining why she knows how to use the rifle she's carrying around, or we'll see her in a chokehold and then learn how she learned it. And as the filming gets sweeter and it gets more horrifying, these can flash more often. And that will give us the effect of psychological of which is happening now and which already has happened. And maybe some of them are the future of the family. Do you like the title or do you want to change it? I mean, Harvest Valley, let's be honest, it sounds like one of those 50-cent romance novels. I uh, remind me of ranch dressing, to be honest. I, I did say hidden, didn't I? Yeah. Uh, so I'm going to say... Uh, Could also be Valley of Harvest. Valley of Heart. That's that's a bit of a mouthful. Uh, 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 so is ranch dressing. Home for the harvest gives a bit of a, a sweet feeling of a family family holiday, and at the same time tells you things are going down. All right, director. Yeah, you have home for your the harvest. You got the, uh, the the a final work through of the script after the studio sent notes to the writer. Uh, there's some flashbacks illustrating you know the skill set of the. The protagonist, there's some more action set pieces requested by the studio. You got a really nice budget for a horror film. How are you feeling? I, I'm actually feeling pretty positive about this. Uh, I think the one thing I want to focus on, which we've kind of touched on but really haven't talked about, is uh, especially now that we have the budget, uh, special effects. And if our enemies are going to be our bad get monster, bad guys are going to be skinwalkers, shapeshifters. I think we should really get down to the nitty-gritty on how we're going to show that. So I want to go this budget. I want to go all old school, like as little 
computer generated, you know, maybe some stuff to do touch-ups here and there, but do I have all the like the shape-shifting uh, effects be all practical? And, you know, it can really up the creep factor, especially later in the movie, you know, maybe they find out that they, you know, they have, they're keeping other forms, like maybe the way they have to transform is they have, they literally put on the form that they want to take. So, you know, maybe they, they find a bunch of like stuff uh, from other, other shapes uh, lying around in the Discarded barn. gooey skin suits. Yeah, so what you're yeah. At. Something okay. like meat that. Suits. There's going to be Well, hopefully they're, they're neat and put them on hangers at least. And maybe, maybe the maybe the, the natural form of the shapeshifters aren't, you know, aren't humanoid. So like when you, you see, you know, you get a glimpse, glimpses of them outside of their, their disguises and they're all like weird and grotesque and uh, uh, very alien um, in appearance. Uh, very monstrous. So... I think I would definitely want to get the the special effects guys on that, and uh, really upplay that that aspect of this horror film. I'm I like I like the new title. I think Home for the Harvest is a good title. I think if this is successful, it has a good chance. I, I can see subtitles underneath that, so I have high hopes yeah. for sequels or All maybe right. prequels. All right, Jacob, back in the studio, you have the first cut of the film. There are lots of shots of these like bipedal worm creatures entering and bursting out of meat suits uh, of all kinds. There's this great gory shot that made two other executives barf during the screening that just like, because the, the, the production department went crazy and put the meat suits on one of those, you know, like at the dry cleaners where we push a button and they all just go by in a rack. Like they just had that set up the barn. And you're like, this is one of the goriest films you've ever seen, but it's just with like worm people. A lot of horse lube was used by the practical effects guys to get that nice glisten. There's a Nerdist article that this movie has set the record for the most horse lube used on a film before. Okay. So how are you feeling? You know, I'm feeling okay. You know, that, that horse lube just sticks to you, so it's, it's not always easy to go down the stairs. Um, let me tell you this. So here's the problem that I have. I, I really want these creatures to be tied to, like, myth and folklore and, like, oh urban God, legends a I, little I bit. Because I think that there needs to be, you know, there needs to be, like, just the tiniest aspect of believability. You know, like, maybe you heard your kooky grandma tell a story that's kind of like this one or, like, you know, it sounds like an old grim, grim fairy tale or something like that. Just enough of that that it hooks you in and it's you know it seems like this is within the realm of plausibility in the world that's being established of course it's not plausible in real life but within the world being established i think that's that's what really will will sell something like this so that's what's appealing to me about that i found another way to get us a little bit more money so frankie muniz is looking for a comeback best remembered from Malcolm in the Middle and uh, Agent Cody Banks. He's going by Franklin Muniz now. Uh, he will he will work for free. We're going to make him like the the crazy younger brother of our main character and he he was kooky before and now like after he's become like the skinwalker, he's like weirdly calm and like uncomfortable and I know that he can play like that uncomfortable role pretty well. So we'll just have him be, like, you know, goofy and weird, and he'll be something that, like, people will remember about this movie later on. You know, even if he's not, like, the best part of this movie, he'll be memorable, and, like, people will talk about it. So I'm not asking him to do tons of work. It'll just be, you know, maybe, you know, five or six minutes on screen in the movie. Not, not a whole lot for that role. But 
he wants a little bit of a comeback, and he's he's willing to uh, chip in some money if he gets to be in this one. Cause he, I guess he's into like you know horror stuff. So cool. Yeah, I'm pretty happy with this. Home for the Harvest is pretty good. It's maybe a little long, but you know we'll we'll try it out. That's that's fine. Do you have any other casts other than Frankie Muniz or Franklin <laughs> Muniz rather? Well, yeah, Lupita Nyong'o, I think, or from- was it Lupita Nyong'o or Letitia Wright? Which one did you cast? Why not both? Uh, I mean, because that's the character a strange could idea. Have a sister. Okay. So the, okay, so I it, mean, we, we it, have two we have two female leads. So sure. The, with the with the uh, the detective and the and the girlfriend. So. But I really saw I, I really saw that girlfriend as being played by she was in that '70s show with the long red hair. Uh, Laura Prepon. She played Donna? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I saw that as being our... <laughs> okay. Because we need something work. simple. Something yeah. homely. For bringing back Frankie Muniz, I mean, you know, it makes sense that we bring back another show from the 90s, too. That's, of course it does. Yeah. There'll, there'll be a weird sense of nostalgia and, with that. I mean, I, I think our core casting here, we do have to think about what the father looks like. <laughs> it comes back to him. Boy, that's a tough cast for a mom and dad. John Hurt. Is he uh, dead? He is dead, unfortunately. That's the vibe I'm going for. Mm. Okay. Who can pull off a John Hurt? I mean, I have ideas, but I'm just yeah. I, I'm just plugged into the movie machine and, and doing its will, or I'll further put its computer tendrils into my brain. Right. I was wondering what those were. Yeah, they itch a little bit. Let's do Julianne Moore for the mom. Uh, let's do Forrest Whitaker for the dad. Mm. I, I'm in support of that. Yeah. All right. Yeah. So, so I I put this into the movie machine, which sounds like an old timey tractor. This movie comes back, and it, it does really well with critics. People kind of dig the uh, old-school f- special effects, the, you know, people not trusting each other. It really ushers back to those kind of classic horror films. The Thing and uh, Halloween and Nightmare on Elm Street and stuff that really horror fans respond to. The weird thing is, not many people see it, despite it getting cr- incredible box office results. And this is why... Because the two lead, one of the lead, the leads are lesbians and one of them is a person of color, the alt right of Twitter loses their crap over a major film doing this, and they go the full Keurig route. You know when they all all the crazy right wings bought the Keurigs to break, and the Keurig Corporation had a like best quarter ever in sales because they all bought Keurigs. Is they go out and rent out theaters and buy every seat for every showing of this ticket for the first two opening weekends just so no one can see it. Because they, they want to show Hollywood that they won't take their liberal moral authority crap in it. And so it does so well the opening two weekends, it gets an extra three months in theaters, and then eventually everyone does see the movie. At least horror fans do. It does really well with horror critics and horror fans and everything. It has this weird cultural touchstone as you can really tell who the psychopaths in your life are when they call that movie an unholy abomination. So it becomes a real litmus test of people you should avoid in life, which is really cool. They call it the Home for the Harvest test now, which is just like there's like anti-Home for the Harvest bumper stickers made by the, you know, it just, it literally becomes another signifier of people you don't need to waste your time with, which is a really weird cultural touchpoint because the whole point of the movie was you know monsters not actual people and you should probably avoid them because they're evil so it kind of works it's this weird like everyone remembers this movie for 30 years after the fact because it was such a weird cultural touchstone in it the budget was probably a little big to really make the profits when the movie came out weren't huge it didn't lose money 
but it's now well received. It's on like its 17th DVD Blu-ray release, collector's edition. The actors in the film do well going to horror conventions all the time and everything. So, so you, you actually made a, a fairly well-respected, enduring piece of horror cinema. Uh, so starting with our writer, you have two minutes of time travel magic if you want to change any of this. Yeah, yeah. Or just revel in this thing you created. So I don't know if I want to time travel per se. What I want to do is I want to work on the special edition that we're releasing for the 20th anniversary of this. So one of the things that I felt this really missed out on from my original script was the saucers of milk. I had written in a lot of these very specific cultural references to mythos that just got edited out for time's sake, and I want to bring those back. So I'm proposing that we add another 45 minutes to the runtime of this film, putting back in all of the traditions that go along with the Fae throughout history. The, the first and foremost, of course, being the saucer of milk on the back stoop with a piece of bread. I, I think if we add all of that in for the 20th anniversary edition, I will finally get to see the vision that I originally had put down in text. All right. Director, are you going to change anything, or are you just going to take a nice paycheck and then forever have your name attached to one of the greatest horror films of all time? Yeah, I think I'm, I'm pretty happy with how this turned out, and although I'm surprised at uh, how much uh, those people don't understand how Hollywood works, but... They also don't understand how coffee works. So that's, I mean. that's true, I suppose. But uh, I think I think the only thing I would want to change in retrospect is is the title, and it's not so much a change as just a shortening. Just instead of Home for the Harvest, just title the film Harvest. Just a good, strong, one-word title. Maybe um, the Harvest. Maybe the Harvest. Yeah, <laughs> that makes that makes the uh, the uh, all the the merchandise for the the litmus test even even ring a little bit better because then you just have the Harvest test. Are, are we going to change the font? Because I feel like if we're doing just the Harvest instead of Home for the Harvest, that changes the whole feel, mm-hmm. and we can't use the same font. I got some ideas for this. You, you can leave that one to me. Okay. Yeah, I'll, I'll leave that there. All right, producer, the studio is very happy. The success of this has given you the permission to fund several more movie projects until Absolutely. you ultimately just end up on a beach somewhere using too much cocaine and people forget you. But, you know, it's the life of a Hollywood producer. Yeah. Yeah, you know, that's that's definitely true in some ways. So what I think we're, we're going to do, I'm not really going to change all that much. I think this is a really strong piece that, that worked out great overall. We just, you know, had to wait until DVDs came around before a lot of the people who actually enjoyed this film got to see it, um, which is okay. You know, at least at least it still made some good money. I, I do kind of want to add to what you said before. I'm very surprised the alt-right didn't like a movie where a lesbian got murdered and turned into a perfect automaton. But that said, you know, it worked out well for me, so that's fine. Franklin and I are working on a sequel to this. We're, we're looking at possibly doing a, you know, Harvest Universe together and doing, like, you know, other things like these creatures exist elsewhere in the world or, like, you know, that mythology is going to continue into some other films. And what we're planning on doing is a few years after we're going to have a direct sequel where we have the the girlfriend going on this, like, like gathering up a badass team of lesbians to go after the the family and like a group of these these skinwalkers together so that's gonna be really cool and all of like the ones that we're working on and kind of workshopping now they're gonna have the 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 title harvest colon something 
So that way we're going to do the first one's going to be home for the harvest, but everyone after it's going to be, you know, harvest Woodsdale or it's going to be, you know, harvest Seattle or whatever it is to be like this whole chain of things. Uh, we're also shopping a uh, possibility of doing a TV show run on stars with this. So I think that there might be a, a good place for it there. So I'm, but other than that, you know, I'm pretty happy with this. I think we've got uh, a lot of, of good, good feedback and how this works and, you know, Frank, Franklin's actually made some good decisions in, you know, coming up with these sequels. I think where, whereas he was, you know, kind of made fun of as an actor, uh, he's actually not a bad producer. So I think uh, we'll be working with him a little bit more in the future. So All right. not going to change a whole lot. Well, there you have it, folks. That is uh, Home for the Harvest, a kickoff of a horror franchise. Looking back at it, none of the sequels ever have the success or cultural touchstones. They're just kind of like, well, if you're really into horror movies and Malcolm in the Middle, then maybe you'll like these, you know? Because the weird thing is, is while Franklin makes some good decisions, he puts himself in as a cameo in every movie, and it's always as a weird gas station attendant named Hal, which is like, he just, he can't help himself, and it becomes a joke, and, uh, on the 30th anniversary of this film when you all get together uh, someone on whatever the in 30 years whatever has replaced YouTube that's being beamed directly into our brains someone's made a super cut of all of the Howl scenes in the 17 movies in this franchise which the last the last one was a weird avant-garde piece where uh, Franklin Muniz played every role just by wearing masks and editing it together and it was a complete VR film uh, it was weird. Yeah, I had already retired onto my Coke Mountain by then. I have an important question for you. Yeah. Did the alt-right protest our movie about the badass team of lesbians, and how did that net financially? By then, they were so distracted by something else they forgot. Okay. Yeah. I, I did really enjoy in that one, though, that because uh, that was Harvest Redemption, right? Yes, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that, that was the first one where we finally revealed that you could shoot. None of them were dead. You could bring them back. Mm-hmm. And I was hoping that Which they perfectly would... set up Harvest Bloodlines. Exactly. I was hoping that they would see that one. And as always, we finish the movie machine with a quote from our patron saint, the mayor of Flavortown himself, Guy Fieri. Let me break it down for you, like hammer time. Thank you, everyone. This has been Hot Chocolate Union. Oh, and so, one last thing, our guest who has been fantastic, join us. Brianna, would you like to uh, plug anything while you're on the show? Yeah. Uh, so I'm part of a group called The Painters that has a show at 1030 Saturday nights at Huge Theater, 3037 Lindale Avenue South in Uptown. And uh, you can come see us do some wonderful improv and stick around after our show for the other Jeannie Rattel drag extravaganza. So I'm doing that right now. Yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you.